usually don't wear a hat, but I got vicious um, bedhead this morning. So change well, the and you want to be able, you want to be able to rep the fire pit yeah. collective, which fly, I completely understand. Fly the flag, yeah. I love it. All right. Well, let's hopefully keep this in the intro. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Full Send with Christina Kim. And Alan Shipnuck, we are back at it again. Christina, how you doing? I'm good. I'm home. I uh, This is the first week of the season where I've decided to take a week off while there is a tournament happening on the LPG schedule that I am eligible to play in. That's a, that's a big decision. I mean, uh, obviously, the start of the year, starts were a little scarce for you, so... What compelled you to to put your feet up on the couch for a week? Well, uh, let's see. We have, let's see, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven tournaments in a row. And it was, the schedule was set up in a way where I I needed to take a break. And unfortunately, you have that mindset of, well, you, you want to play the week before a major and then you want to do this and do that. And if so, if you took a week off in the middle, that would be great for me. The middle week would have been last week, the KPMG Women's PGA combined with, you know, at the time I hadn't made my full schedule because I had to wait to make sure I was in the match play as well as wait to make sure that I was in the U.S. Women's Open. So I was like, I'm just going to play everything all the way through. And as much as I love Dallas at the Volunteers of America LPGA Classic, and I love, uh, actually, you know, we're in Frisco, which is, you know, about 45 minutes north. Um, I love me some Texas barbecue. I love the people <laughs> over there. The golf course over at Old American is phenomenal and fantastic. But y- your girl tired. Your girl tired. And I, I think last week... Um, on Sunday when, you know, my, uh, I was having, I, I actually had someone on Twitter, you know, cause I had said, you know, everything was, it was all crazy and it was a crazy wonky week. A major always is. And on Sunday, my back, you know, I just tweeted like my, my, my back gave out and, um, there was a, a guy I know, Greg, who's a physiotherapist, I think with golf Australia, he's like, you know, hate to be pedantic. But, and I was like, okay, so I'm going to completely delete the things you said before, but, um, <laughs> he was like, there's no such thing as a back giving out. I'm like, sweetheart, I had, I had a limited number of characters to use. I wasn't going to sit there and say that my pelvis got rotated and as such, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I had like an inch and a half difference between, um, you know, where my, my legs were sitting at and this and that. And I required a tape job and I required this and required that. Like, I wasn't going to go into that. Um, and so that was just like the definite final nail on the coffin of like, yeah, I'm making the right decision by taking this week off. I will be back next year. I do love the golf tournament. I love everyone over there. I love me some tech. I love the barbecue, like I said. Golf course is super, super fun. Um, A little questionable as to whether or not I love the idea of playing in Texas in July. Although... (laughs) It's not exactly uh, Paris. Yeah, it's not exactly Paris in the spring, Texas in July. Not not quite. Although it is still cooler in Texas this year right now than it has been in the Pacific Northwest because climate change is real. Well, so, okay, this is funny you'd say that. Uh, a few days ago, I did 16 hours in the car to drop my uh, my son, Ben, my youngest daughter, Michaela, at this wilderness survival camp. It's called Headwaters Outdoor School, and it, it's absolutely amazing place near Mount Shasta. And 
it was scorching hot and i was like it this is a it can't last you know it, i mean it gets warm up there in the summer but not like 100 degrees and um i've just been watching these temperatures climb and uh, uh they're they're just i feel bad because it's not easy to sleep in a sleeping bag in the woods when it's that hot but um, for sure and in fact i'm well, totally and, and... Ra i'm totally rattled right now because i just i got a call from michaela and she wants to come home early they do this as as part of this experience, like they spend 24 hours in the woods alone. Um, and they're not totally alone. There's, there's like, you know, kind of a, a camper, uh, chaperone type who's nearby, but like they have to go out and, and find their own space and, and, and kind of navigate the whole night by themselves. And it's an incredible experience. You know, my eldest daughter did it and, um, it was like life changing slash affirming, but, um, so Michaela was like crying on the phone to me to come pick her up, but this is like eight hour drive each way. It's not around the corner. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, being like the, the sweet dad, I want to go and just give her a hug and make her happy. But also seeing the bigger picture, like it'd be a great experience for her to, to face these things and overcome them. And so anyway, I'm like, I have sort of a, a scrambled brain and heavy heart for all this because we just hung up the phone and, uh, uh, and yeah, so yeah. I only mentioned, I wasn't even going to mention it, but as soon as you said the Northwest, like, oh my God, that's where they, they're basically right on the California, Oregon border. So they're getting hit by that same, that same heat. <laughs> we digress. <laughs> but see, I mean, hey, these are, these are the things that are happening in our lives. They're super important. Right. I mean, just like a golfer, you need a clear mind generally to, to play good golf. It's the same for podcasting, you know? I mean, it's, it's like very, uh, <laughs> very similar kind of a, uh, metaphysical experience. It's hard to get on the mic here when you're, uh, when your, your, your brain is 500 miles away with your daughter who's bawling on the phone. So, uh, but you know, the great ones overcome the adversity, Christina, and they, they find the focus and, and they, they play through it. So, um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to hijack the entire podcast. Um, so how are you going to spend this luxurious week off? I mean, obviously you have to get your body right, but, um, do you have any like rituals, uh, for, you know, binge watching shows and pampering yourself? Or is it, is it mostly just about getting your golf game and, and, and your body sharp? Well, I've already gone and visited my personal trainer, Ryan Blackburn, um, this six weeks. I, I was actually talking with Todd and I was talking with a couple other people about how, I mean, it sounds crazy, but things were easier for me to maintain my physical and mental well-being during lockdown than it has been this year. This has been a more taxing and trying year where you're trying to marry the two of the before times along with, you know, everything that I had learned during the pandemic. So I had not been taking care of myself nearly as much. It's one of those things where you're like, well, you've got I me, mean, you have 24 hours in a day. We all do. Time is a man-made construct. Um, the concept of time is a man-made construct. Time exists. And at the same time, you're just like, oh, my God, I'm not getting enough sleep. I, um, you know, have been spending so much time grinding on the range and on the practice putting green that I haven't been able to take care of myself physically. I had a, Ryan would say, probably a fairly, you know, like medium workout. And my adductors started to cramp you know, like halfway through the workout. And I was like, 
uh, you know, it, it's similar to when I go and get physical therapy with the, the LPGs physios over with top tier sports. They're, they're always, you know, I'm like, if I'm yowling because I'm in pain um, or they're digging in really hard and, you know, if I kind of yelp, they're like, oh, sorry. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is not time for you to say sorry. I did this to myself. I'm the one that should say I'm sorry and thank you. This is just a manifestation of all of the actions that I've taken. This is the consequence of it and you are helping me to get better. So um, this week is just going to be a lot more focused on just just myself, me, my physical needs, as well as um, that ending up leaking into my mental needs. Because again, you know, like during an off week or, you know, during the off season, it's all the, it's a, a thought process of, oh my God, I have 24 hours today and I have however many more sequences of that coming up. Whereas during a tournament week, you think, oh my God, I only have 24 hours. So a lot of that is just being able to re-implement some of the things that are super important to me for my physical as well as my mental well-being. And that includes working out. I've been eating well still, which is really good because I know how important that is for me. I, I feel like I've been maybe getting in a little too much protein and not enough fat because there are times when I get a little bit of like a foggy brain. And But when I'm eating keto, you know, it's, it's high fat. And for me, that's really good for my mental well-being. That's brain food because your brain is not a muscle. It is a globular organ that's comprised of 60% fat. So, you know, it's all of these, all of these little things that some people may not get, and that's okay. It's not your life to have to live or a reasoning that you have to get. This is stuff that I know that I need. I am not a binge watcher of shows in the sense where like I have not started a new show since March 11th or 12th of 2020. <laughs> that, that's amazing. Like, what did you do during all that time? I worked out, I golfed, I cooked, I was on social media, I was reading, I was journaling, I Actually living life, you mean? That, that's good. That's commendable. In my float tanks, you know. Yeah. And, and again, I was also in a different place than you would have been because I live in the state of Florida. So, you know, they didn't really believe in the pandemic and we didn't go into these crazy, crazy lockdowns. And golf was, I was able to have golf be considered work. And I, you know, they didn't close down the golf courses or anything like that over here. So I was very fortunate in that I was able to stay small and, you know, I would visit five places in a week and two of them would be grocery stores. The other would be the golf course and um, Ryan's gym when I was able to go to his gym when they opened up and the other one was my house. It's funny because you're going to wind up playing 10 out of 11 weeks, right? Um, and it's almost like you feel apologetic because you're taking that one week off the way you were laying it out. I mean, I, to me, it seems like three in a row is a lot. And anything above that is, is really pushing the, the bounds of uh, what, what a golfer can, can power through. So I remember hearing Adam Scott talk about, you know, he plays such a light schedule. He's like, when I show up, I want to be competitively starved. I, I always remember that, that phrase. Mm. And, um, you know, he wanted to 
and obviously he's a different personality and he's made enough money that he can, he can do whatever he wants. But that was, that was his mindset. Like he was dying to get to the tournament and he would have, he would, he would purposely wait even longer than he wanted to because so he would just be fresh and excited because otherwise he felt like he would, he could very quickly start getting in this, this routine of, of going through the motion. So as, as you get to the back end of these long stretches, um, you know, you talked about the physical, but where is your, your appetite for, for golf? I mean, do you ever just, do you ever feel like, man, this is, this is just too much. I got to get off this golf course. Never when I'm playing, I, 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 I love the game with all of my heart and the way I see it, every tournament is a new opportunity and every tournament is my favorite tournament. And there's always something amazing about the tournament, whether it's a tournament staff, whether it is the golf course, whether it's a golf hole, whether it's a specific memory I have of a specific shot uh, in a tournament pass at the venue that we're at. I, I, I don't know. I, I, get physically tired and I understand that. And then there are times when I get more emotionally and mentally tired, which will then lead into physical stuff. Um, I, I think I'm pretty fortunate that I, I get so amped up just being able to play and knowing how lucky I am to play that I do. And I think my sweet spot is probably around four weeks, but this trip, it was like, you know, I mean, the way I see it after the fact, I probably should have taken Kingsmill off and had two weeks off and I could have gone to Shadow Creek, then to the U.S. Women's Open, then to Lake Merced, then the Meyer over in Grand Rapids, which is always a great time, and finish up with the KPMG. I love Kingsmill. I love that golf course. I've almost won it a couple of times. And it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fairly short drive up to Virginia from my house. And then it could have been like, well, then you can take off Metaheel. And I sit there, I'm like, I grew up in the Bay. I can't not play there. Like my <laughs> high school golf coach was, you know, he's always one of the marshals at the golf, at that golf tournament. And I saw him at Olympic club and was like, coach Barbada. And he didn't even recognize <laughs> me. I was wearing my mask, but he was like, yeah, I like pulled my mask. And I was like, it's Christina Kim. And he was like, oh my God. You know, so <laughs> it, it, it's just one of those things where you're like, man, like, there, there's something so great about every tournament that it's really hard for me to take them off. But the older I get, the more I realize, like, you have to do what's right for you. And I, you know, I, I also, I learned a crap ton as well, you know, and I, just like we had been talking the last few weeks about everything kind of going on with my depressive episode and everything that was kind of, you know, rolling through me, I needed that time. I needed things to happen when they did for me to be able to start to emerge from there. So everything happens for a reason, whether it's divine intervention, whether it's, you know, one of the gods or whether it's just the way that the universe kind of works itself out. Everything happens. Everything happens for a reason and nobody died. Everything's going to be okay. You know, I've, I've missed a handful of majors through the years because child is about to be born life. or, you know, life. Yeah. It was really either kids were coming or, you know, the corporate downsizing and the travel budget was restricted. And it's kind of like, uh, I had done X number of majors. So it was like Michael Bamberger's turn and, and that was fine. But I found those weeks, uh, I, still, I got suspended for the masters for a year, but that's the whole, that's a long story. But, um, it's, I find those weeks 
I was kind of sullen, like, yeah, I'm not even going to pay attention. Like I, I was kind of like bitter that I wasn't there. And I would, instead of watching a lot of golf and absorbing it, I would just kind of ignore it. And, you know, I'd tune in maybe Sunday afternoon just to, to catch the finish. But, um, what, what is your feeling when, when you're not at a tournament do you feel left out or are you happy to just kind of tune out and, and not worry about it? Like, where are you just in the, 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 the feeling of being excluded, um, at, when you're at home and there's the big time golf being played? Well, if I'm not in the field because I didn't get in, I will oftentimes be a little bit closer to like, mm, I don't <laughs> want to watch it. And then I'll still tune in like, you know, after the round is concluded kind of a thing um, on a week like this, I'm, I'm just stoked that I have some time for myself and Again, you know, I'm going to contact the tournament director and let them know, you know, I'm so sorry I'm not able to make it, but this is a decision I need to make for my mental health. And I hope that you guys are able to continue to have an amazing championship like you guys always do. And everyone is going to feel the same love for the course and the tournament that I do. But for me, you know, I... I I really, really need to spend time on myself. So I'll, you know, I'll check the leaderboard and I, you know, if I've got a couple of friends that are playing really well, then, you know, I will probably have my interest peaked a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, during the times in which the rounds will be played, I'll be doing stuff. Like I, I have to have my own schedule and I'll always go and do a quick recap. But, you know, it's one of those things where like, I wish everyone nothing but the greatest success and i wish everybody shoots 59 and while i would love to be there to <laughs> also have the chance at doing that that's okay everyone's going to be everyone's going to be good and everyone's going to be okay can you learn things watching other players play i mean for me when i when i'm when i'm, I'm always reading what other people are writing some of it is is just as a way to pass time while on the throne some of it is because I'm a golf fan, but it's also, I have a critical eye and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like I, I can still learn stuff and I'm, I'm seeing how they structure the story and what, what they, what they brought to it and what I would have done differently. So, I mean, it's, I'm kind of like a, an analysis, uh, or an analyst, excuse me, in, in, in certain ways, not just a casual reader, but is it similar for you when, when you watch a golf telecast? Yes. And now even more so because I, pay a little bit more attention to what the announcers are saying. I pay a little bit more attention to the amount of time that the cameras focus on the players prior to their shots, after their shots. I pay attention to their body language. I, um, you know, what kind of, you know, if I do spend the time to watch the telecast, I will go and be aware of like the trends that people are are on for the week for the particular round things like that and um you know there there's always something that you can glean from anybody when you observe them and you know actually watch what they do instead of just stare at them so um yeah i definitely think that i i i do still learn to this day like on on sunday i played with jin young ko you know uh she was just dethroned as the number from being the number one player in the world and just the simplicity in which she plays, you know, there's, there was no, um, you know, it's similar to like an Envy park and similar to an Annika Sornstam in a lot of ways where there's, it, it's not a criticism. It's just, there's no like 
thrilling excitement. It's just like, dude, everything's really good. You just kind of look and you're like, yo, yeah, I mean, I expect you to put that inside of 12 feet. And if you're inside 12 feet, like, yeah, you should make that putt. Like, right. You know, and, (laughs) and the biggest takeaway was, you know, knowing when to go after a whole location, knowing when to scale it back, how she recovered from some, you know, pretty unlucky bounces that she got, you know, and it was just one of those things where it's like, oh, like it's, it was just the simplicity of the game that um, was great to watch while I was, you know, limping around with like a, you know, one leg 42 inches long and the other one like 27 inches long. <laughs> and um, so it was, it was a lot of fun. Interesting. Well, let's, we, we have to talk about uh, Nellie Corda because as, as you alluded to, she's now the new, Number one, she she snagged a big time championship on on a pretty strong golf course, and mm-hmm. everyone's very excited about Nelly. You know, she just has a certain star quality. Obviously, she's from a famous family. She's very telegenic. She has such a beautiful golf swing, and um, you know, I think. Well, Nancy Lopez told me this. I'm sure she said it a million times, but like the the key to being successful, you know, and being a crossover star, it, if you're on the LPG tours, you have to look like a woman and play like a man. And it's mm-hmm. a little simplistic, but, you know, clearly Nelly smashes the ball and it's fun to watch her overpower golf courses. And um, so I think, I, you know, she's, every sport needs stars and needs crossover uh, figures who, who can kind of capture the, the interest of, of just casual fans. You know, the, the hardcore golf nerds are always going to uh, pay attention to what's happening, but it, it's the people who who have a, a passing interest, but if they don't know the player, they don't know the name, they may not tune in. And I think because she, she has a famous last name already and because of who she is and the way she plays the game, I, I think, you know, Nelly could really be a, an important figure for the tour. Uh, what what's your take on 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 the meaning of of her victory and and kind of its larger significance? Well, um, I mean, truth be told, I don't know her like very well at all. Um, I, I I would have to assume it's because I'm so damn old that she's like I don't I don't knit yet, so I don't really know what kind <laughs> of conversations we can have. Um, and so we're we're just from a different generation. Like I think quite literally age-wise we would be in completely different generations. And so I don't really know much about her. You know, I just I I know what I observe when when I'm around her. She's an extremely hard worker. She comes from like you said a very famous, very successful family. Their their brother um Seb- Sebastian Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, Sebi, yep. he's, you know, he's played in, in, um, a couple of tennis majors. He's, you know, still building his career cause he's the young one in the family, if I'm not mistaken. And he is apparently the tallest one in the family. Um, you he's know, a big, and, he's and a big he's time talent. A, I mean, they, he, they, yeah. I was talking to, uh, one of my old SI colleagues who follows tennis closely and like, there's the belief that he, there's, there's, it's interesting cause, um, this has been talked about in women's golf at various times, but men's tennis, there's a dearth of American stars. I mean, it's, they, mm-hmm. they've been, it's been, I don't know. And Andy Roddick, was he the last one? I mean, you're going back decades and, uh, but there's some feeling like, you know, like, like Seb could be the guy. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, very similar ex- in women's golf in that sense. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, Stacy Stacy Lewis was the last number one American at the top of the rankings. Um, you know, obviously we had Lexi, who was you know, was she third in the world at one point? And you know, you've got Danielle Kang, who was number two at one point. Jin Young Ko just had such a strong um, lead and showing every single week that it was hard to ever get anywhere near her. And so I think having an American back on top of the world rankings, I, I think is, is something that, you know, we can all take pride in. And, and I think that is, it is, you know, call it fucked up if you want, but it is important for the health of the game here in the U S um, to, you know, make sure that people are like, oh yeah, we like, we are competitive. You know, I mean, there are some people that just, they, they think that, uh, very wrongly that the golf women's golf world is run entirely by, um, Asian women that don't know how to speak proper English, which is so far from the truth. But, you know, even if that, if, if, that helps bring in a few more fans like why the hell not you know and this is going to make the it's going to amplify the olympics even further um you know because it is like the the talent level is just so high as it is in general that i think it's going to be incredible and it's going to have a um you know real quote-unquote olympic quality to it because with it being in the olympics for the second time i think it's 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 ginormous. Um, but yeah. going back to Nellie, you know, I mean, she's, she's a hard, hard worker, obviously learned her work ethic from, um, you know, was instilled into her by both of her parents, as well as being the younger uh, sister of Jess Corda, who has played some phenomenal golf, like shot 60 in, was it round three of the Diamond Resorts Invitational earlier this year? And, and I'm sure, you know, having... Um, you know, being really good friends with Megan Kang and, and, and things like that. Like, you know, just always, always having people that want to strive to always do their best and you're going to, you know, like attracts like. And so having one, that support system um, with family that has lived it as well as family that is living it at the same time is, is so, so vitally important. She and Jess are extremely close and as well as surrounding yourself with, um, people that are one, you know, within your generation and two people that have that same sort of, you know, dogged determination like Megan does. I think like those, those are, you know, huge components of it. And then on top of that, yeah, she's extremely telegenic. She's, you know, this, this beautiful life figure that, you know, you look at her and it's like, you know, she can walk the runways as well as you know looking look like she can run a marathon at the same time <laughs> and so you know she's she's definitely got that quality of being able to transcend the sport i think um yeah. that being said i you know i've most of the conversations i've listened in on are the ones that she's done with the media so i don't really yeah. have any sort of a feel for her as a person well and it's funny she's very sweet though She's very sweet. Uh, I played nine holes with her at the Kia Classic Pro Am, and that was a delight. Oh. I mean, she was just fun to be around. And it, as you know, Pro Ams can be a little slow. She's on social media, and, and she's laughing at memes, and she's playing hip hop. I mean, she's very much like early twenties vibe, which was cute. I and mean, that's who she is. Um, and you know, as far as there's always been this thing in women's sports in general and LPGA about. The, the sexuality and or attractiveness of the players and people focus on that. But I mean, it's the same in the men's game. Think about 
it's just not as overt or talked about, but who are the most popular male golfers of the last like three decades? It's Freddie Couples, Greg Norman, Tiger Woods, uh, you know, Adam Scott, Roy McIlroy. Like they're all great looking guys. I mean, this is a shallow society and, um, and it's a visual medium. So, um, it, it's just, it's just a fact of life. And, um, like singers, theoretically it's only about the quality of your voice, but obviously there's, there's a visual component to that too. It's just, it's just across anything that's entertainment or sports and it's just a factor. And, um, but I think what, what's interesting for me is, and I was thinking about the, the, the Fred couples analogy because Nellie's got that same beautiful rhythm. And to me, she's kind of a similar personality and, and Freddie hated being number one. Like he complete, he got there and he retreated as fast as he could. He just didn't like the hassle and the time suck and the scrutiny. And I think that Nellie's a similar personality in in a vacuum. It, it might be, she might be, have a similar reaction to, um, the, the focus that's going to now be on her, but the, the, the X factor, she's been raised in this family of, um, you know, achievement and celebrity. And I think she's more equipped than almost any other player could be at that age to be number one, because she's grown up around Jessica's success and she's heard all the stories from her parents and it's a pretty incredible support system. So I'll be curious to see how she does with it because it it's I, I've been around players in that moment when they kind of ascend and the the intensity of it um is it's it's something else. I mean it is hard to prepare for it. But uh I, I think she'll be able to navigate it and it's gonna be fun to watch. I mean I could watch her swing in a golf club all day long. It's just there's um we were talking about, you know, Louis Lustheisen, uh, I guess that was last week. And there's some players, there's just almost a hypnotic quality to the swing. And it's just such a perfect marriage of grace and power. And, uh, you know, Nelly's in that category. So uh, it, it was a great win. It was exciting. And I, I think it, it's going to be it's gonna be fun to, um, to see where, where she goes and, and how that, you know, benefits the tour, which I think would be substantial. But, For sure. I, you know, in many ways, I agree that of all people out there, Nelly is probably one of the best equipped when it comes to the potential of being able to juggle all of the hats that she ha would, will have to wear. Um, I have no doubt in my mind. I, I don't, I don't, again, I don't know her like at all. So I don't necessarily, um, you know, you have a better idea than I do as to whether she has that Freddie Couples kind of, you know, um, thing of where she wanted to shy, shy away from the limelight. I personally don't read that off of her, but she's, you know, this is like the moment that she was, she has been training for her entire life to hoist that first major trophy, to become number one in the world and to be a potential game changer. And secondly, I was kind of like, you know, obviously I was listening to what you were saying. I was kind of laughing because when you were talking about, you know, the, 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 the telegenics and the aesthetics of, you know, all these great players, I'm like, well, for me, when I was growing up, you know, my favorite golfers were players like Steve Alkington, um, you know, old school VJ Singh, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, like I was a huge fan of, you know, the, the Ernie L's obviously like I, I'm like, and for me, I'm like, yeah, they, they were, they were beautiful golfers like just what they could do to the golf ball and so and and obviously tiger but tiger is just he's just in 
anomaly among anomalies. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, but it was just kind of funny because I was like, I don't. Maybe we just have different tastes or we focus on different things. I don't really. I, <laughs> well, and I, I was a huge Freddie fan as well. Don't get yeah. me wrong. It was because Everybody of that, Freddy, that yeah. buttery tempo. Yeah. Um, you know, well, but well, it's just like I sit here and I'm like, okay. Because what you're saying is definitely very true. It was, it was just saying a little bit more about, you know, like what, what I kind of focused on and, and things like that. And I was just like, oh, my God, did you see the position of Steve Elkington's club at the top of his swing? <laughs> oh, <Well>, mama. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I mean. It's funny you say that because the first tournament I covered for Sports Illustrated when I was an intern in 1994, it was the Honda Classic. And my first day there, of course, I went right to the press tent and got checked in and was just slightly overwhelmed by it all. And I wandered down to the range and I'd I'd flown down. I can't remember. It was like maybe Tuesday or Wednesday. It was a little late in the day by the time I, I got there and got settled. And I went down the range. It was mostly empty. And I was walking up and... Elkington was kind of the, the first guy in the range and I was just the perfect face on view of his swing from kind of from a distance. And I was like, Oh my God, that is, and I, I was a golf fan, but not a hardcore golf fan. Um, you know, I, I got the job cause I worked at Pebble beach and, and the managing editor who I bumped into and I sucked up to, he just assumed I, I was like this super golfy dude cause I was working at Pebble, but you know, no one in my family had played golf and, uh, I was much more of a football, basketball, baseball fan, and I just sort of started becoming uh, a fan of the sport. And so I knew Steve Elkington's name, but like to see that swing in person, and I can still picture this little runway I was on going down to the range. It was just like, God damn. And so I, I know that visceral reaction you're talking about. And I wasn't, and obviously Ernie's the same way. Um, VJ too. I mean, he had such a majestic golf swing. So uh, I guess you're just you're deeper than the average, you know, human being who who goes by more. Maybe the... it's the pansexual in me. I don't know. <laughs> yes, I guess so. How do you define that, by the way? Uh, so pansexual, I would personally define it as being, um, you know, different. And, you know, that maybe it's, it's, it's wrong of me to say, but you fall in love with the soul. It doesn't matter if it's a male. It doesn't matter if it's a female. It doesn't matter if it's a transitioned male. It doesn't matter if it's a transitioned female. I, I don't sit there and say I need this or I need that. It's just you fall in love with the person. You fall in love with the soul. And, and that's the only thing that ultimately matters. Um, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I've been in love several times and, the majority of the time, yeah, they've been with, with men, but not every single one of them. And, and I've been in relationships where I'm like, oh, like, okay, this is great. I don't care about any of that. I don't care about what you look like. I don't care about anything other than that, that connection as to what your soul and my soul are able to do. I just learned the term recently, sapiosexual, where you're like attracted to intelligence. So mm-hmm. I guess that, that could be a, a subset of pansexual, but... Um, I'll just say that's just, you know, that would fall under the umbrella of queer just in general, Um, because you could be you could be a combination of, you know, a heterosapiosexual. You could be a homosapiosexual. You can be a bisapiosexual. But if you're, you know, potentially there are some people that would identify as bisexual that would not want to. Um, you know, live their lives with someone that has transitioned, you know, and, and then I, I, there's all, it's all, there's a lot going on, you know, at the end of the day, we're all human, we're all worthy of love, and we're all worthy of giving love as well. 
Well, that's beautifully said. I mean, I guess, yeah, I, I have full respect and acceptance for the, the vast array of humanity and how everyone's different. I'm just a meat and potatoes guy. Like, I, you know, when it comes to those things. And I, that's great. I know. But it's, uh, it's interesting as I've not, you know, having teenage kids and as they're navigating all these, these sort of fluid identities, it's been very um, eye-opening, not only for themselves, but their friends and their, the whole community. I mean, it's, it's a wild to think even a couple of decades ago, there was basically just a binary way to be as far as the, you know, commonly held belief. Right. And, and how much that's, that's evolved that it's, uh, it's an amazing time where, uh, you have to sort of rethink your, your beliefs and your assumptions. And, uh, I, I like that. I mean, I like to be, I like to be challenged and even dealing that with, with my, my kids has been a, um, I've learned a lot and they've, they've improved my perspective on life. So I'm, I'm grateful for that, but, um, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. Um, anyway, I can't even remember what we were talking about. Golf? Are we talking about golf? Is this a golf podcast? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that this would be a great time for us to maybe segue. We've been kind of talking about this in the works of having a couple of segments within the podcast um, where we do a... Uh, a Q and A, not or not a well. We get some Qs and we give some As, you know. So um, <laughs> I do have, you know, a question that has been posed to me several times actually in the past, and and this one is by at Talking Static on Twitter, and his question was, do you think it would be better to stagger LPG events so that they are not always going head to head with PGA events, forcing viewers to have to choose, particularly for majors? And I'd love to know your answer on that before I provide mine. I, I mean, I've, I've said this for a long time to, I would love for the LPGA to play their tournaments. First round is on Saturday and then Sunday. And then you have Monday and Tuesday for the climactic rounds. And you can do the pro-am on Friday, which is a great day to, to cut out of work anyway. And you would still get the weekend crowds and, you know, people who just are office drones who can't get away and can only watch golf on the weekend. They'd still come out to support you. And you would have Monday and Tuesday all to yourself when there's really no other live golf. And, uh, you know, you could play it. You could, you could try and do later starts. So you get into prime time and you'd get, you'd get big, fat, juicy windows on golf channel. And, uh, you might even be able to break into some, some network. Um, to me, that would be, that would really give the floor to the LPGA and, and the stage. And I think, I think that would be cool. And then it just, uh, it takes a little reorientation of thinking, but, but I see nothing but, but benefits to that. Um, so, but what, what is your take? Well, I, since we've never actually experimented with that, we've had a couple of tournaments um, where we've had a Wednesday start and a Saturday finish, primarily because of things like, say, travel upcoming or if the sponsor is from Korea or Japan. That way we're able to show our finish to the international world feed on a Sunday you know, we, we've posed this question. I've thought about it. There's a part of me that is very yes and of, yeah, let's try it. Let's see what happens. And there's also a part of me that's like, well, doesn't that still continue to fall into the stereotype that women have to always be the ones that accommodate? 
Um, you know, so I, I, I see both point. ends yeah. of that spectrum. Because, um, yeah. you know, I mean, why don't they have the corn fairy start on a Tuesday and then conclude on a Friday kind of a thing? Or why doesn't the Champions Tour do that? And then you can have the LPGA and PGA be the two main ter- main tours because we are the top echelon of these professional tours that get the chance to really showcase the best of golf, be it men or women, over the weekend with a quote-unquote traditional sort of conclusion. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that that's something that I thought about. And then, you know, and you go into the same time, it's like, well, you know, you look at Wimbledon, you look at the French Open and the, the Grand Slams in tennis, they don't play at the same time. Um, you know, the women do go first. But it's it's one of those things where it's, it's something that I think is worth workshopping. And on top of that, if you play on the Corn Ferry Tour and you start on a Tuesday, you're going to be less worried about, because they have this, like, they have this really, really fucked up thing where the fields are closed the Friday before the tournament starts. Um, the LPJ tour, like we, we scale it back a week farther back now because of COVID and because of, you know, testing requirements and making sure that we pretest if we're not vaccinated, which thankfully I, I am fully vaccinated. So I don't have to worry about the pretesting unless the entire field does because of state requirements or country regulations. Um, but you know, I've got a friend who plays on the Corn Ferry Tour and, you know, he got his full card. But that doesn't mean that if you've got like a Matt Every who decided he wasn't playing great at Pebble Beach, he knew he was missing the cut. He went on his phone and committed to the tournament on the Corn Ferry Tour the next week so that he got his number of starts or he got this or he got that or what I don't exactly even remember what it was. And you know, my friend was then bumped out, you know, um, and I understand, you know, that's it's it's the name of the game. But let's say at the same time, you don't provide the Latin American tour or the McKenzie tour or I guess is it the for me tour, that same kind of thing, because you can't be not in an event on the Corn Ferry tour because someone kicks you out on the PJ tour. So, okay, then you'll just go to the Latin American tour. They're like, no, we need to protect our players. And the PGA tour is like, no, we need to protect our players. And the Corn Ferry tour is like, well, I'm getting shafted on both ends now. Right. And so if we were to move their tour to a Tuesday start, those boys have to make a, those, those boys have to make a decision. Um, and then at the same time, you also have to put into consideration the corporate sponsors and things like that because some of these tournaments, not all of them, you know, they're not necessarily hosting a, professional golf tournament regardless of which tour it is regardless of which gender it is you know purely out of the 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 sheer love of the game you know you sit there and it's like okay well you know these are still there are multiple benefactors to these tournaments because yes you get to showcase the best golfers in the world and yes you get to provide money to local charities that you can write off and then you also have your corporate annual thing that involves clients and things like that. So there is Mm -hmm. some business, you know, there's sausage making being done in the back as well. So it's, it's not as simple as some, you know, gazillionaire throwing money and being like dance monkeys. You know, there, there (laughs) are a lot of moving parts involved in that. And, um, you know, I think the, the corn fairy contemplating that at first would be interesting similar to how they had the corn fairy test run using distance measuring devices for a four-week period and seeing what the 
um, consequences of those actions took. Right. I mean, that would actually, I would love LPGA go Saturday to Tuesday, Corn Ferry go Tuesday to Friday, and PG Tour go Thursday to Sunday, and everyone would have, and I don't care what the senior tour does, I don't watch it anyway, but everyone would have their own, their own kind of moment in the sun, and I don't know. It just, it's, to me, it's madness that everyone finishes on Sunday and you got to try and compress all these different tours into these tight broadcast windows. And unfortunately it's just the economics of it and the eyeballs, you know, the LPJ is not going to get first dibs on any of those time slots. I mean, the PGA tour is, is just uh, a more of it's a bigger audience and it's, there's more money involved and blah, blah, blah. And um, so I would love for the tour. Well, how that, about, yeah, Sorry, just trying to spitball off of that. How how about if we have the men and the women play different ends of the country at the same time? You know, you know you have the men have the West Coast swing and the men have their Florida swing. Like you can do sort of yeah. a back and forth where, you know, you're not you you might get a little bit of overlap in terms of prime time versus, you know, normal time, but you can switch that around. You know, I mean, there, there is the possibility of that as being an alternative where, you know, we don't have to sit there and hoist up a trophy on Tuesday because how many people are going to be able to come out and watch, you know, well, you would get someone some. hoist a trophy on you a Tuesday. You would get some. And I mean, let's face it, it's mostly, these things are mostly TV productions, right? And um, if you, if you were given four or five hours of prime time every Monday and Tuesday on golf channel, uh, instead of, you know, two hours on Sunday as it is now for the finish. Like, I think there'd be more time for storytelling. There'd be more, you'd see more shots. I think you, the fans could become more invested in the players and, um, there's pros and cons for sure. And, well, and at a local level, though, if you think about it, you know, the ticket sales go towards money that's being provided to charities, uh, concessions that are purchased while at the tournament help boost the local economy. Like there's there's yeah. there's there's just there's stuff all around, you but know, you still there's, get the Saturday there's so and Sunday. many factors. Yeah, but you'd still get the Saturday and Sunday crowds. It would just be the first and second round. And if you want to come out and bring your kids to watch golf and enjoy the atmosphere, I'm not sure how much you care that it's the first round versus the final round. And if you, if you know what I mean, like I think you'd still get good weekend crowds, even though it's not the the finish. But all right, we'll table this discussion. But uh, I, I yeah, think it's an interesting, it's interesting, it's an interesting yeah. concept. So we've also been talking about um, introducing to the pod, you know, a a little full send segment where we can each get something off our our chest that's been bothering us. And let's just let's just do it. I'm just going to launch into this. The, what I was really rubbed the wrong way by Brooks Kepka's comments coming out of Hartford about, oh, my heart wasn't in it. You know, I was just kind of going through the motions. I, I only really care about the majors and um, this doesn't feel the same. And uh, I don't have the same discipline and focus. And on one hand, I get it. We've all been trained to obsess about the majors. It's you know, from Bobby Jones to Jack Nicholas, Tiger Woods. Like they made, they made them the big ones a thing and that defines a player's legacy and that, okay, I get that. But the genius of, of Tiger Woods, especially was that every time he laced up his spikes, like he brought the heat, he was there to win and he, he left it all on the golf course. It didn't matter if it was a greater Hartford open um, or anywhere else, like the, the, the professionalism, the desire, uh, I mean, you, in some ways you owe it to the fans 
and the sponsors and the TV viewers. I mean, these, these are the people that make your life possible as, as a professional golfer. And, um, to just like show up and be like, yeah, I'm not into it, but I got to be here because I have to get 15 starts for my retirement plan. And that, that's Michelob ultra demands. I play 18 tournaments a year. I mean, Brooks didn't say that I'm paraphrasing, but that was kind of the subtext. Like I'm just here cause I have to be here. And one of my favorite sports quotes ever is from Joe DiMaggio. Let me see if I can find this here. And, um, you know, DiMaggio was famous for like running out every ground ball and chasing down every fly ball. Like, and his quote is the reason I play so hard is that somewhere out there is some kid who has never seen me play before. And I don't want to disappoint him. And there's just a beauty to that thought. Like, you know, you're some nine-year-old boy who thinks that Brooks Kepka is your hero and, and you go out there and, you know, you save your, your, uh, paper route money to buy your ticket to the greater Hartford open and you tromp around and you get your, you get your sunburn and you walk, you know, eight miles to watch him play around a golf. Like on some level, you, you owe it to that kid to, to try your hardest. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to show up, um, like play hard. So that's, that's my, my full send commentary for the week is uh, I was, I was unimpressed by Kepka's remarks. Well, I was going to go on a different topic, but seeing how this is full send and we are in the full send segment, which for our viewers is you're on the 72nd hole. You murdered a drive down the middle of the fairway. You're one stroke back. You're a competitor laid up short of the hazard <laughs> and you've got a 231 yard carry over the water to the front of the green and you uh, stock your three wood two twenty five, and you need to step up and go into the next gear. You give it the full send. <laughs> so I'm going to expound on what you said. Cause two things, first of all, that's bullshit about what Brooks had said, because Joe DiMaggio is very right. Every action that you take, you never know whose life you're going to affect. Um, I remember on Sunday after the KPMG, no, Saturday after the KPMG Women's Open, uh, Women's uh, PGA, my, uh, Todd and I were leaving the golf course and, you know, we're sitting at a light and the, the spectators were going to cross the street. Um, we were going to be turning left and they were just going to go straight and cross the street into the parking lot. And I saw this little girl and she was, you know, kind of hot and kind of sweaty. She's adorable. But, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, like, first of all, I'm like, I hope that I hope her parents gave her enough sunscreen and reapplied it enough. And like, you know, I was like, I, I, I knew that I had my Sharpie on me and I was like, Todd, do you have a ball on you by any chance? Cause I felt my pocket. I was like, shit, I don't have a ball. And he, he had like the last ball that I played with in his pocket. He's like, yeah, here you go. I went out there, signed the, signed the ball, um, made sure that the light was going to stay red for a little while. I <laughs> scuttled out of the car barefoot across the street, handed it off to her. And I said, thanks so much for coming, you know? Um, and, I then got a text message from Ann Kane, who's our Titleist rep. And she said, I just got a text from my friend Jason. And he had said, you know, my, my little girl and I went to watch a KPMG women's PGA for a short period of time. It was short, but it was worth it. And as we were leaving, Christina Kim ran out of our car and handed her a ball and just made my daughter's day. Um, and while that is not necessarily the same as Joe DiMaggio um, running out every, you know, ground ball and giving it his all, like that is part of the job in that if you see someone whose life you could change by a small, simple gesture as signing a golf ball or showing them that you're putting the effort in, like, you know, the 78 strokes that I had on Sunday, 
I gave it my all every single one of those strokes, you know, even though my back or my pelvis or whatever the hell it is you want to say was giving me issues. Like I, I, at no point was I thinking that I was not going to finish I had nothing to do with the fact that it was because it was a major, um, you know, because you, you don't give up. And if you, this kind of goes in line with the whole, uh, you know, the allegations that Bryson was asked if he was going willing to play with Brooks at the U S open, like, you're given the chance to defend your title. Like they're, you're being given the chance to have a tea time period play, you know? And so if it's a contractual obligation, I think that's complete bullshit. Um, I will say partially to Brooks's defense doesn't really look like he gives a shit during the majors either. So I bet <laughs> that little kid that went out to follow him was like, Oh man, like Brooks is in the zone, <laughs> you know, like he's, he just is, he just has that persona of just kind of just, just moseying along. Like obviously mm-hmm. overpowers the ball, obviously has phenomenal touch and everything, but there are times when I wouldn't be able to tell you if his heart was really in it or not. Um, and I think that's part of his allure personally is, you, you know, I mean, people are, people always say Inby Park looks like she never even, like nothing, she never skips a beat. She never gets nervous, this and that. She's like, no, dude, I'm nervous all the time. Like <laughs> on that first, he doesn't matter what tournament it is. And it's like, if that's what your perception of me is, that's on you. At least this way, like, you know, Brooks was honest about it. But again, that's bullshit because if you're not playing to want to win every championship that you tee it up for, you know, I, 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 I hope that that is something that can change because, um, you know, Golf is golf and putting too much emphasis on the majors, you know, like, like, let's say Brooks walks away with 11 majors and like nine other tournament wins, like a 20 win career is phenomenal. But imagine if he had those 11 majors and 41 wins, like that would put him in a completely different category, you know? So if you're going to bother teeing it up, fucking tee it up and give it, give it the full send all 72 holes there you go well said i feel i feel oh, better we like needed we needed that yeah I'm like unburdened uh, i feel lighter <laughs> um all right I love well that. Th- that that's a good mic drop let's just let's just this is wrap this up because that that was a strong finish um what podcast is this christina well, I am going to have to the, the the mandated thing of saying, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Give it a rating. All five stars would be great. Leave a review. Tell all your friends. Um, also, you can always reach Alan at, at Alan Shipnuck on Instagram and Twitter. I am at the Christina Kim on all social media platforms. Hit us up with any um, any questions that you have because we will start posing these at the end of every episode. If you have any topics that you think will fire us up for our full send segment, by all means, holler at us with those. If you have any ideas for guests you want to um, have us bring on we do have some guests lined up in the very near future for some future episodes i don't think we're going to make this uh the guest thing like an every week thing because girl that's a lot of effort you know that's that's, that's a lot of effort <laughs> exactly. and our, our boy alex has to do a lot of editing so um either way on behalf of alan and myself and everyone at the fire pit collective thank you for listening to full send with christina kim and Alan Shipnuck. And just for the record, I didn't mandate that you say all that stuff. It was, it was like the podcast gods. Oh, no, ma- it's self-mandated. My bad, dude. That's self-mandated. Okay. I don't want like people to be like, blame me for that. 
Oh, no. I'm a strong, independent woman. I do whatever the fuck I want. Don't worry about that. <laughs> okay. Indeed. All right. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. We'll back at it next week. And um, that's it. That's all I got. I, I keep always bye. keep talking. Yeah, bye. Click. <laughs>